This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. This is Lauren Lester, the voice of Robin and Nightwing. And you're listening to the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUReview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Gotham City is out of control. An entire city screaming in fear. Super villains walk the streets, preying on the innocent. They will learn the true nature of harm. The police are powerless. A creature prowls this urban wasteland. Is that? He moves in darkness. For some, he is a rumor. A name whispered in the corridors of the underworld, waiting for the chance to strike. Let every criminal know the acid taste of fear. You crazy! Gotham has forgotten what justice means. The Dark Knight is here to remind them. Batman. Good guys wear black. Welcome, everybody, to episode 267 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal. With me, my good friend, good brother, the man that runs our Twitter account. That's right. It's Liam. Liam, we have uh, we have wrapped up with our month of... It was just a smorgasbord of different content. We had a character spotlight episode. We covered some Superman... We went to an Elseworld, but we're back home safe and sound here with a brand new month where it all began with Batman, the animated series. And uh, we have quite the murderer's row of episodes this month to tackle. Uh, very excited to talk to you, especially about today's legendarily incredible episode. <laughs> That's right. We are officially in the uh, Adventures of Batman and Robin Skybox trading cards section. <laughs> of this and you and I could not be happier about that. So, yes, we are talking about the episode Harlequinade. And uh, and uh, yeah, just just a hoot. It's going to be a lot of fun. So can't wait to get into that. That is right. If you don't know what those trading cards were, uh, I think we've mentioned it several times before on the pod, but uh, yeah, Google that. I'm sure you can find some of the images and don't adjust your screens because yes, the the images used on those particular cards were, they looked like somebody took, uh, used a, a, a standard old disposable camera to take pictures of a, uh, of a TV screen and then put them on, uh, on cards. So <laughs> yeah, quality of the images on the, the trading cards, notwithstanding they uh they definitely hold a, a a strong place in our hearts for the nostalgia factor at least and as you mentioned Harlequinade is uh one of those episodes that was covered in that set so yeah all the feels and some of the uh some of the moments uh, captured uh in the individual scenes here but Liam as we get into our review of this week's episode we of course are going to talk about it using our four plot or our four different categories which are plot animation, visuals, music, and of course, voice acting. But before we do that, we are going to get the official IMDb synopsis for this week's episode, which originally aired here on the Fox Kids channel. Well, it was Fox, but Fox Kid Programming Block. Back on May the 23rd, 1994, meaning uh, we just passed the 29-year anniversary of this episode's debut and before we get into the official imdb synopsis we'd like to remind you that that synopsis is brought to you by as is each and every week 
the pod tower the pod tower youtube channel specifically if you are a fan of all things dc animation specifically the dc animated universe then we have a channel for you that features not one not two but three different podcasts to date talking about various different episodes of Anything and everything DC animated universe and beyond that includes the entire Tim Talk catalog and uh, the ongoing jump on the bat wagon, which uh, I believe may have already covered this episode in their run. And of course, it features our entire library as well. We invite you to head over today, subscribe and like the videos as they come out. It's a good way to support us. That's YouTube.com slash the pod tower. That's right. So this is the synopsis for Harlequinade, which was written by Paul Dini, directed by Kevin Altieri, with music by Shirley Walker and animation by Dong Yang. And Friend of the show, that. Kevin Altieri, by the way. That's right. An animation by Dong Yang. And that synopsis reads as such. When Joker steals a nuclear weapon, Batman arranges for Harley Quinn's release from Arkham so she can help him track the Joker down. Oh, uh. I mean, yeah, that's part of that's part of what happens. You're not leaving. You're not spoiling too much, I suppose. I mean, there's not a lot to this episode. <laughs> I mean, would the, you the hijinks it? ensue, but uh, that's that. I think that covers the basics. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's solid. That's something that you would read in a TV guide uh, description back in the day. I think that serves its purpose. Solid B minus. Agreed. So uh, now we will get into our own synopsis of this plot as we break it down for Har- Harlequinade. Uh, we learn, we open things up, and there is a auction going on. And it's not just any normal auction. It is a underground uh, organized crime au- auction for a, a deadly weapon, a weapon of mass destruction, if you will. Here it is, gentlemen. Enough kaboom to turn Gotham into the world's biggest pothole. What say we start the bidding at uh, one million? One million. Two million. Three million. Five. Gentlemen, please, don't insult me with nickel and dime bids. The man who walks out with this bomb walks out with Gotham in his pocket. Yours to pick clean or blow sky high. Your call. What am I bid? How about nothing? Zero, zip, zilch, nada. My personal check for bupkis, drawn on the first national bank of Squadoo. <laughs> Sorry, boys, this lot is sold. And uh, the auction is going off, and uh, there are a lot of people bidding on said missile bomb whatever you want to call it it's a it's a big metal bomb uh that's capable of destroying gotham pretty much so uh we uh <clears throat> we get this intro and uh we we see the bids going up 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 and then wouldn't you know it there is one late intra entrant into the sweepstakes who says he's going to bet nothing for it bupkis nada zilch and of course, coming out of the shadows, it is none other than the clown prince of crime himself, the Joker. And the Joker is there to uh, to wreak havoc 
he uh he reveals he's wearing a top hat that should have been your first uh your first little little clue that something was afoot here which <laughs> um correct me if i'm wrong i think there's is there a scene in i know there's a famous artist rendition of the joker wearing a top hat can't remember but did he wear a top hat in uh batman 89 too or just the just the big f- fedora or the big uh the big round hat i feel like there's a top hat scene in that that where he's not quite wearing Seems plausible all right so maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Uh, but he's wearing a top hat. Underneath the top hat, he reveals, is a cartoonishly large bomb of his own that he reveals is, uh, it's it's basically any cartoon bomb that you've ever seen drawn. It's got the little wick on it, and it's, it's already burning. And uh, the whole crew clears out, except for the auctioneer, who is there left holding the bomb as it goes off. But uh, it is revealed to be just a a gag as there's a little Jack in the box Joker that's revealed when it goes off with some little confetti. But then uh, that, that little Jack in the box Joker, wouldn't you know it? It's a, it's a double cross. It leaks uh, a lot of Joker toxin and we get uh, our auctioneer bursting through the gas, clearly maddened by said gas. He's lost his mind. He's laughing hysterically. And that's when we cut to uh, to the reveal that the Joker made off with our explosive and uh, Batman and 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 Commissioner Gordon are left to pick up the pieces and try and figure out just where they're going to be able to find uh, find find the Joker. Uh, Commissioner Gordon gets on the phone with uh, with the mayor and informs him that they need to find this bomb. But. Uh, unfortunately, the mayor is reluctant to evacuate the entire city on the hunch that the Joker may or may not have this weapon. We'll learn later just why he was so reluctant. But Batman quickly makes the decision that with uh, time not on their side, that they need someone that thinks like the Joker in order to help them figure out where they can find the Joker in a short amount of time. And that leads us to, uh, to a very funny scene as we cut to Arkham Asylum and uh, it is revealed just who Batman is going to recruit. Miss Quinn. <laughs> Don't you knock before entering a lady's boudoir. I need help. Well, you've come to the right place. I recommend a lobotomy. The Joker's stolen a bomb. If I can't get to him in time, this city and everyone in it's going up in a mushroom cloud. So you want me to turn squealer on Mr. J? Ha! Sorry, B-Man. No deal. I've talked to Gordon and Dr. Bartholomew. You help me find the Joker, and they'll write your ticket out of here. <laughs> if you promise no double-cross. Ah, shoot. Take all the fun out of life. And that, of course, is Harley Quinn herself, who is there uh, relaxing in uh, in her cell at Gotham. And she as Batman walks in, she is surprised to see him. Batman mentions that uh, she uh, is he's looking for her help to uh, to help find the Joker. But uh, unfortunately, Harley, at least initially, says that she's not interested in helping and, and turning stool pigeon on the Joker. However, Batman points out that if the Joker uh, uh, detonates the bomb within the city limits, uh, then uh, not only will everybody in the city go, but uh, Harley will also be uh, an unfortunate casualty if the if the bomb does uh, go off. He also offers her a full pardon in return for helping her. Uh, so long as she promises not to double cross him, 
which uh, she reluctantly agrees to do. So uh, that uh, that they they uh, leave Arkham at that point, get in the Batmobile. Some hijinks continues as uh, she presses some buttons within the within the Batmobile that cause uh, some malfunctions. Batman has a couple of stern talking to uh, talks to her sternly a few different times. And then uh, and then then we get to our first locale that uh, Harley leads them to. And that is an old uh, hideout of theirs where uh, Batman is uh, is there to kind of explore and see whether or not perhaps the Joker is still there. Hold up. But uh, he is not. However, uh, Bud and Lou, the hyenas, are there as Harley has swept slipped away to slip into something more comfortable uh, AKA her, her Harley Quinn costume uh, that Lou and Bud uh, are not happy to see Batman and begin to attack him. But just in time, Harley steps out uh, having fully changed and calls the dogs off excited to see her. They, uh, they come over to hang out. We get a little bit of the backstory as to what, uh, what Batman as Batman asks Harley, what her obsession is with the Joker. Keeping in mind, we have not seen mad love yet. Not quite sure mm-hmm. if it was uh, in continuity yet. It was obviously a one shot uh, Batman annual that had been written, but it was not, not necessarily known whether or not this was moved into continuity yet. How do you like a ha ha Charming. Especially these monitors. Between the cop's city hall and the mayor's office, Joker has the whole city wired. He's a genius. What's the attraction, Quinn? This sick infatuation with the Joker. Look, Bats, when I was a doctor, I was always listening to other people's problems. Then I met Mr. J, who listened to me for a change and made everything fun. (laughs) You think it's funny when he hurts people? It's just a joke. Hope you're still laughing when it's your turn. So we get a little bit of that story brought into continuity as she mentions that uh, she was a doctor and that uh, as a psychiatrist, she had to listen to everybody else's problems. But uh, when uh, she finally got to meet the Joker, he actually listened to her for a change. So she enjoyed that. And uh, it's here also, Liam, that uh, they discover that uh, the Joker had set up a pretty elaborate surveillance of a, of a lot of Gotham City that included the mayor's office, uh, GCPD headquarters, and even Commissioner Gordon's office. And this enrages Batman. But uh, they, Joker not being there, but this uh, leads them to decide to move on. But this does give Batman a clue that uh, perhaps... Uh, this surveillance has led to maybe the mayor's reluctance to to evacuate the city. So uh, that moves us on to our next locale, which is uh, uh, an abandoned warehouse. Where else would you go? Naturally, that's uh, that's that's where that's an old hideout of uh, of Joker and Harley's Batman. Let's Robin know to uh, to to meet them there, and that they're gonna go check out this old hideout and. As they get there, Harley's being very loud and then Batman's trying to keep her quiet. But of course, Harley doesn't see a reason to stay silent as no one's been inside this uh, this old building for years. Cuts to a, uh, a, a the door opening and we find out that not only are there people in this warehouse, it's uh, now functioning as a sort of a underground uh, mob hangout uh, complete with a, uh, a swinging a swingin band 
and uh, and plenty of uh, of gambling and other illicit activities for uh, for the criminals of Gotham. And as they all sort of look up and notice Batman, Harley seemingly betrays him by uh, by knocking him out from behind. And uh, as as Batman sort of tied up and laid on one of the poker tables, Harley does her best to talk herself out of trouble with the uh, this lead mobster uh, Boxy, who uh, who actually comes back later on in the series. But uh, but here she's she's kind of kind of flirting with him, trying to keep his attention on her. And uh, and trying to keep trying to keep him and all of his fellow uh, his fellow goons from wasting her and Batman, and uh, she notices that Robin has arrived on the scene, so she knows she needs to distract the uh, all of the patrons of this uh, of this uh, not so upstanding establishment, and so she does so with a song, uh, which is uh, we'll certainly talk more about that in music later. It's a, it's a real song. That was uh, that was repurposed for this episode. Say that we're sweethearts again, and uh, we'll talk about it lyrically, though. And mm-hmm. uh, and Paul Dini has said as much um, that this song was, uh, if there was ever a song written about the the type of relationship that the Joker and Harley had, then uh, then it's it's this song. I never knew that you and I were finished until that bottle hit my head. Though I tried to be aloof when you pushed me off the roof, I feel our romance is dead. Wouldn't have been so bad if you had told me that someone had taken my place. But no, no, you didn't even scold me. You just tried to disfigure my face. You'll never know how this heart of mine is breaking. It looks so hopeless, but then life used to be so placid. Won't you please put down that acid and say that we're sweethearts again? So as, as Harley sings that and uh, and distracts the the patrons, Robin slowly makes his way in. He frees Batman, and they begin to uh, take down a few a few of the mobsters silently before springing into action with Batman and Robin and Harley. In fact, getting in on the fisticuffs, clearing out the building. And uh, as they as they run out of there, kind of in a in a hurry to, to find out where to go next, we uh, we do get another uh, confirmation that uh, that Harley used to be a psychologist before she went insane, which uh, Robin is quite amused by. And then as as they leave her sitting in the Batmobile and they attempt to puzzle out the their next move, there's been no dead ends. There's been no word from the Joker on what he what he wants, what kind of ransom he's looking for. Harley sort of uh, slowly begins to uh, laugh to herself, and and then she points out to Batman that w- if that if he were trying to keep the mayor and the cops, in fact, uh, at bay and keeping the uh, the cops from evacuating the city uh, to get away from this bomb, that the best way to do that would in fact be to hole up at the mayor's palatial estate. Joker returning to the scene of uh, of the crime from his uh, his previous excursion to the mayor's house in uh, in Be a Clown, and uh, and he's uh, he's holed up there with Mayor Hill. There he is, sort of. And there's there's a tell here, which it's a is a visual tell, which in, literally until today, 
as of the day we recorded this, I thought was a, an animation mistake. <laughs> I remember that when Mayor Hill is on the phone at the start, mm-hmm. you see he has a purple sleeve and a white glove. And I'm always like, well, that was a weird, like those types of like, you'd see that type of thing on like a Super Friends cartoon, like an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon, but you don't see those in this series. But no, it's literally because the Joker was holed up there and was holding the phone to Mayor Hill's ear. Yep. So, you were today's years old. That's great. That's correct. And uh, so, yes, we see the Joker playing around, jumping into uh, to Mayor Hill's pool and having a grand old time as, he, uh, as, as Mayor Hill sort of asks him, when is he going to finally make these ransom demands and, and get what he wants out of the city? Only for the Joker to uh, to reveal the true uh, quote-unquote punchline of this episode, which is that he's not holding the city for ransom. He doesn't want anything. He's going to set the bomb off right here at the mayor's home and blow the entire city of Gotham sky high. And uh, as that, that sort of realization sets in, Batman and Robin arrive seemingly... They have the Joker dead to rights after a brief struggle, but then Harley <laughs> Harley pulls out, which I guess this was in the Batmobile. <laughs> she pulls out a bazooka that shoots weird little like handcuff projectiles. Mm-hmm. So she ties Batman to a tree, and then it also shoots little uh, little bolo ropes, mm-hmm. and she ties Robin up. At which point, she reveals that this has all been a ruse. And that she was going to, uh, she was always going to help Joker over Batman and Robin, even at the expense of the entire city. Although, as uh, as the as the Joker's biplane begins to roll in as they prepare to make their grand escape, it's very clear that the Joker had no idea Harley would be there or that she was coming at all. Uh, and uh, he's, but they prepare to leave together. And uh, right as they're about to leave, Batman man and robin sort of chime in to uh, remind harley that not only was he going to leave her but uh, anyone and everyone else that she might uh, care about 10 minute countdown sequence has been engaged oh my lord come my dear we'll get to a safe altitude then watch the fireworks it's lucky you were here harley The countdown sequence didn't leave Joker enough time to swing by Arkham and pick you up. Quiet, Brett. You were going to come back for me, weren't you, Puddin'? Of course, Pumpkin Pie. It's just that, well, here you are, so I can uh, save myself a trip. (laughs) But what about all our friends, Ivy and Two-Face and Hat Guy and Lizard Man and Puppet Head and... What about them? Don't forget your little pets. You little... Yeah, which leads her from uh, initially, we see that Harley does have a heart. She begins thinking about, quote, all of their friends, unquote, which includes Two-Face and Ivy, but also uh, a Lizard Man and Puppet Head and Hat Guy. Uh, of course, Mil- uh, Killer Croc, Ventriloquist, and and Mad Hatter, respectively. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Joker says, who cares? Let's move on. Batman then chimes in, as you mentioned, and reminds her that sh- if uh, if the bomb goes off right now with the Joker setting it with a 10-minute countdown, they won't have time to swing by and pick up, quote, 
her little pets, unquote. So uh, she freaks out. She's t- Batman, of course, referring to the hyenas. She freaks out, demands that the Joker uh, take them to go get it. He promises to buy her a goldfish. Look, <laughs> the last like five minutes, the dialogue between the Joker and Harley, the slapstick that occurs, everything, everything that goes on is just it's nonstop hilarity. I laughed at least five times and I've seen this episode quite a few times, like many, many, many times I've seen this episode and I, I still laughed at it today. So, yeah, I was I was dying. I was rolling. It was, it's so it's well, so yeah, we'll certainly talk more about in voice acting, too. But this yeah, this episode is so funny. <laughs> It, it it truly is and it, it all works together it's the it's the plot it's the the visuals that accompany it and the voice acting with the music uh man they all work together for, with this one but uh joker quickly realizes that uh, harley is a lost cause uh she she actually kicks him out of the plane and then uh begins to run over towards batman he jumps back in the plane decides to take off but not before changing into his red baron costume he uh, he's able to put on his jacket and old timey pilot hat with goggles and uh, jumps in the front of this biplane or I guess it's a biplane mm-hmm. and uh, complete with jokerized missiles like a 1930s uh, <laughs> war plane. So mm-hmm. jumps into this plane, begins to take off and uh, insists on taking off and does a pass around dropping these missiles uh, onto Harley and Batman, who Harley has gone over to Batman in an attempt to free him from the uh, from those projectile handcuffs as uh, he was stuck to the tree. So she begins to try and free him, gets one of his hands free, but is struggling to get the second free as the uh, the bombs drop on them. Very, very uh, strong wor- World War Two footage vibes here as we see the bombs drop down complete with the sound effect. Uh, dropping onto uh, where Batman and Harley are. Batman and Harley jumping out of the way the very last second to avoid some of the blast. Uh, The Joker uses some binoculars to look down, sees that Batman is laying there, but then sees him stirring and Harley moving. So he commands his his clowned henchmen to turn the, the the plane around they are uh they they are the smart ones in this case and insist that that's a bad idea but he turns he turns his mounted uh tommy gun on them and threatens to shoot them so they uh they they proceed as uh, as requested and turn the plane around for another pass uh so at this point he takes out his machine gun begins shooting and attempting to hit harley uh m- bullets bouncing off here and there joker or uh, batman and uh, and harley having to jump out of the way uh bullets bouncing off the bomb which is still counting down at this point by the way uh but uh he he's not able to make a connection batman is uh does walk over to the to the mis- to the giant bomb and uh, does disengage it with robin's help so they they stop the countdown but the uh, the plane continues to fly back around as the Joker is coming back for yet another pass in an attempt to shoot down Batman, but we get Harley stepping in as she, uh, hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, as, as the saying goes. That bomb's going off even if I go with it! Ah! <laughs> Laugh this off! 
right. She as uh, the uh, the plane goes down, crashes right into Mary Hill's house. I hope Jordan wasn't home. <laughs> uh, Dad of the year didn't didn't think to to evacuate Jordan. Scream for Jordan to evacuate. So let's hope. I mean, let's hope. Let's just hope he was away at boarding school or wherever. Wherever the mayor stuck him after after the <laughs> events of Be a Clown, since we never saw him again. Uh, but uh, yes, no. Joker walks out very comedically, pulling his parachute despite already being on the ground. And then we get a, a pretty a pretty wild turn in this episode as we see that uh, that Harley is now brandishing a Tommy gun and uh, and points it at the Joker. The Joker taunts her, tells her that she doesn't have the guts that she could never possibly pull the trigger. But she surprises both of them by pulling the trigger only for a little uh, a little flag to pop out of it. And uh, it turns out it wasn't loaded, though it appears that Harley, neither Harley nor the Joker knew that until she pulled the trigger. Freeze, clown! Quinn, stop! He's mine, Bats! You wouldn't dare. You don't have the guts. Not in a million years, would you? And, uh, at which point they have the very uh, very like you know 50s 60s sitcom uh paul dini specifically i think shouted out the the honeymooners but this is this felt very i love lucy to me where they mm-hmm. the couple has the big knockdown drag out fight but in the end everything's everything's back to get everything's back to normal and they they share an embrace as joker says baby you're the greatest and and she and harley swoons as as batman and batman and robin sort of look on in uh, in confusion and disgust as we <laughs> uh, as we fade to black this uh, this week on the episode um so suffice to say this is a very this is a very light and very comedic episode um paul dini has mentioned that this episode was uh, at least mildly inspired by the movie 48 hours which was a, it's a comedy involving, I think it's Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte, uh, where you, you pair you pair the goofball with the uh, with the serious, no nonsense guy. It's but it, it also just feels like any you know any great sort of comedic duo over the years. You pair Harley with Batman. Batman is is the straight man being sort of reluctantly sucked into the you know into the hijinks. You know Harley is the is the is the Jerry Lewis to to Batman's Dean Martin in this episode? Like it's just it's very wacky. It's very Paul Dini. It's a very Paul script, and as mentioned, it's very very funny. Um, and then it comes down to the the end here, and just I like some of the just some of the specific lines, like when she's when she's listing off the different inmates and she only knows two of their names. <laughs> she's like, what about Ivy and Two Face? And then she goes, Hat Guy and lizard man and puppet head i just i was crying i was laughing so hard like uh and we'll talk about more of this in voice acting of course but it's just this episode is so funny 
and the the way it again as it's it's dealing with both the ridiculous and over the top the joker's gonna set off an atomic bomb in gotham city (laughs) and also it does this like really quirky you know Abbott and Costello, like 40s screwball comedy routine with both with Harley and Batman. And then at the end, we get like our, our I Love Lucy sitcom with uh, with with Harley and Joker at the end. It's just what a hoot. What a what a tremendously fun episode to uh, to watch. We even get a musical number in the middle, too. Like, exactly. Yeah, it is. You know, for all the all the hate that that Batman and Harley Quinn, the movie gets with for it having a musical number in it say what you want but that it was a tradition in these harley in these harley involved episodes like oh, yeah you have a musical number in there it, and it wouldn't be the first or the last so uh in the dcau as we know so yet very very funny very very off the wall goofy i think as a kid watching this you you know you enjoy it for the maybe for the slapstick you don't quite pick up on the subtleties of you know the the different uh the differences in 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 uh dynamics between batman and and harley and batman playing the straight man in the comedy and um you know you focus more on the the idea that batman has to find this bomb i you know as an adult you just picking up on all those little subtle things that that paul dini wrote into the episode so much we'll talk about it in visuals but so much of the direction that kevin altieri did for just some of the faces and the things that you know the the reactions that people are made the little the little tiny things that were added into the actual storyboarding to to just add to the the comedic nature of the episode just so 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 good so whether it was the writing or the directing that or we're both that work together, man, what a fun, fun episode. Um, you get, of course, you also get the idea that like, Oh, Harley, this is going to be Harley's awakening. And obviously now what are we almost 30 years? We said 29 years since this episode debuted, we've since had many false starts on Harley getting her, uh, you know, her freedom, so to speak, and, and, and kind of breaking away from the Joker. And now even in, in the Batman, the adventures continue comics, that's kind of what they've established that her, her story ends up being. But here you have this first kind of idea that maybe she's going to open her eyes and see that the Joker really does use her. He wasn't really thinking about saving her. It just so happened that she showed up and he can't even, he can't even, articulate it in a way that makes sense he just goes well of course i was gonna pick you up but here you are (laughs) (laughs) and you know as you alluded to we'll talk about in voice acting of course you know our our main players and and what they add into the episode but yeah man what a what a fun goofy time the little detour where we go to the speakeasy it was a nice little fun bit as i mentioned the musical number that breaks things up is is so fun uh using a real song by the way if you had told me that song was written in 1944 i would have said <laughs> what are you talking did they wrote songs like that night that sounds like a you know that sounds like a a, a pop song from like the mid 2000s or something like very <laughs> like not musically but like lyrically like mm-hmm. all those all those plays off of like this toxic relationship like that sounds sounds like something you would hear there or a pop punk song like in the mid in the early 2000s or something like not not something you would hear in the 1940s so shocked the hell out of me but man what a what a fun time i smiled from ear to ear pretty much from start to finish it is uh 
it is a lot of fun. You get a lot of good Joker, a lot of good Harley. You're fleshing out more of the Harley story as we talked about. We hadn't really established as much of her backstory yet continuity wise in the cartoons. So you get a little bit of that groundwork done here that would eventually be built upon later on. But uh, yeah, I, I really love this episode. I, I like I said, smiled from start to finish, laughed a whole bunch, uh, enjoyed it. And uh, and I don't know how I could not have given this episode a perfect 10 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, uh, suffice to say, I gave it the exact same score of uh, of 10 out of 10. It's brilliant. It's so much fun. It's like, yeah, it's everything great about <laughs> Like the Harley, you know, the the comedic side of of Harley and I think getting, you know, getting to stretch the legs of that character a little bit. And even though this episode does involve the Joker at the end, it really does feel like more we're, we're really starting to establish her as her own character as we as we learn more about her. And just again, there's so many, so many funny, funny gags throughout the episode. And we'll talk more about them because there's some really good visual gags as well. But uh, yeah, this this episode is a hoot. So I don't think I, I had any choice but to give it out of 10 out of 10. There you go. Our first uh, first identical score here together uh, to start off this episode. So let's move on to our next category, which, of course, is going to be animation and visuals. And I believe, as you mentioned at the top, we had a Dong Yang production here as far mm-hmm. as our animation studio goes. Uh, what did you think of the uh, what did you think of the visuals? What stood out to you as far as the episode is concerned? And, uh, you know, what did you like? What did you not like? Yeah, so we're into the, as mentioned, sort of the back half of these were past those initial 65 episodes into the last 20 episodes of the original series where there was like a, a mild redesign of the or at least seemingly there was a more more of an attempt to stay more strictly on model especially with batman um he's got the very very square jaw uh in this episode though i feel like i feel like batman's neck is too long and his ears are too short (laughs) so i feel like batman looks weird in this episode um and he's also doing a lot of pointing and is uh in this episode as uh pick up on that as much i i don't think it's a disagreement alarm but he felt just more like to me like the squared off square he does point a lot you're right he does point uh but i i I feel like i don't know this is the batman that i kind of like like he's not the big jawed long nose batman but he definitely has that We'll see this, I think, in a couple of the episodes this month. He'll probably look consistently, if not the same throughout these episodes, based on uh, the episodes we know that are coming up. But yeah, he kind of has that s- deeply squared jaw, not as much of the, sw- of the long ears and the swoop back ears. So m- you like your Batman with a little bit longer ears, I see. Yeah, I mean, I, to me, it's more just like the overall. It just looked... I feel like the very squared off Batman had a specific ear length that made sense for me. And without that, like I said, I feel I feel like it's just the head size overall is off on this on this model. That's fair. Um, but that's that's kind of a minor complaint. I think everybody else looks pretty good. There's a lot of so it's a very expressive episode. Like it's obviously, like we said, it's a very light comedic plot. Harley um, in the first half of the episode when we see her out of is this, no i guess we saw her, we saw her out of costume in harley and ivy but i think this is this is the pigtail debut right which is like s- such an iconic part of her not only does she have like the gesture 
uh, you know, things on her on her mask, but she also has has the, the blonde pigtails here. Um, and like she's she's just so expressive in this episode and the, like the part where she's where they're in the Batmobile and she's mocking Batman. So she pulls her pigtails up to make the bad ears. I was I was giggling at that. Um, the sequence where where they're back at the hideout and she goes to change and the hyenas attack Batman. And then first she pulls a bone out of this, like this, like uh, this bag that she has with her. And then like, after about a minute of that, while the hyenas are fighting over the bone, she just pulls a raw steak out of her back. <laughs> like it's such a weird quirky, but it's like, I just thought it was such a funny bit of visual comedy that she kept pulling like just different, different meats and then treats for the hyenas out of her bag. I thought that was a really fun sequence. And then, uh, yeah, that, that final sequence with the bomb Joker with his, with his world war one plane, uh, it's actually mentioned there's a, there's a commentary track for this episode. that's on the, uh, the DVDs and Blu-rays and, and, uh, they, they talk about it. They mentioned that in the, in the script originally, I believe it was a helicopter that the Joker tries to escape in, but they, uh, it was changed sort of in the storyboarding process by the director of the episode, uh, as mentioned, friend of the show, Kevin Altieri, who, uh, as as he talked about on our show quite a quite a while back when we had him on for the uh, for the Talia episode, that he's uh, a great fan of of aeronautics and and an old school aircraft, and he so he worked another one in here with this old World <laughs> War One fighter jet, as we mentioned, Joker with his his sort of Red Baron cosplay with the. Uh, with the pop, the old pilot's helmet and the scarf. And then, and then, uh, yeah, I, I think that whole sequence is fun. The sequence where Harley fires off the little like gesture grappling hook and hits him. And he, he, you know, he goes unconscious <laughs> and his eyes start rolling around and then the gun starts going and he's just spinning in a circle, firing the gun and the other goons are, are, are having to duck. It's so, it's so funny or the bit where he tells them to turn the plane around and they won't and they don't want to do it and so he just very matter of factly looks at them turns around grabs the gun and then points it at them like like there's just there's a lot of great visual gags in this episode to go along with the you know what was a very funny script yeah yeah i mean that last i mentioned it when we were talking in the plot but that last five to ten minutes there's everything works together for the just the different gags that they do. Uh, we'll talk about some of it next in music also, but yeah, I had also written down the fact that they gave him like the red Baron uniform, you know, with the, with the old timey hat, not the first time he's worn the old timey hat either. As we know, uh, I believe in the strange secret of Bruce Wayne, he, no, he donned a pilot's hat in that one. That's right. That's right. It was a different, yeah. He had the, like the bomber jacket and the little uh, the little blue hat and the sunglasses. He had a similar hat in mask of the phantasm though. Thus Bert. Correct. Yeah, that's bursting the the Kenner jetpack Joker figure, but mm-hmm. not exact to this one. So, yeah, I loved I loved that when the plane crashes into the building and then he like seconds later just opens the door next to it to exit the building completely unharmed. It makes no sense, but it is so funny. Such a very like that whole sequence is 100% Looney Tunes like should have been in a Looney Tunes cartoon uh, he opens the door and then he falls off this little ledge and as you mentioned he hits the ground and then he pulls his parachute for effect so so funny I think he did that in Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne too with a yes the definitely parachute going off also but uh he, he's not afraid to recycle some comedy bits as we as we learned here but yeah very 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 funny i love when uh harley actually pulls the gun you hear the click and then the the little flag pops out that says rat tat tat uh that was 
that was really really funny um going back a little bit i love the bit in the in the batmobile where harley presses the button batman gets mad at her and yells at her and stops and then uh he kind of continues on and he's talking and then if you pay attention to harley she picks her hair up and starts making faces at him uh sort of mocking him mocking his bat ears and then batman catches her by turning turning over and looking at her very very funny um yeah, I, I liked the look of the speakeasy also. I like the idea that, you know, secret underground uh, gambling facility and uh, you get uh, get a lot of a lot of guys clearly leering at uh, at Har- Harley as she dances around on stage and sort of uh, uh, gyrates. I guess this is probably a, a, a PG word. <laughs> uh, on and about to various different things. Um, I believe it's mentioned uh, at least on the the DCAU wiki that uh, the the uh, the uh, piano player uh, resembles one Fred Astaire, who, of course, was mm-hmm. uh, was a, a legend in that era. Our grandparents would would talk about old Fred Astaire, a mm-hmm. legendary, legendary uh, a person in, in Hollywood during the, uh, the 40s and 50s, I believe. So, yeah, lots of lots of people knew about him uh but uh yeah so you had had plenty of funny things i think that opening sequence too where the joker throws the 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 laughing gas bomb at the auctioneer and then it goes off and you initially see him kind of cracking up and then the next shot is just the gas and then his head the the auctioneer's head pops up with his eyes popping losing it like it's a very similar sequence. We see a similar sequence in Mask of the Phantasm, I believe, um, where you kind of get that up close and personal maniacal laugh uh, of the of the person that's infected with this gas. And it's meant to be terrifying. Like it is a scary sequence. It just all of a sudden this head pops up, the eyes are bulging and he's laughing uncontrollably. It's so well done. Really enjoyed that. Um Last couple notes. I loved uh, the Joker's old timey bathing suit. He had like a night men's 1930s bathing suit that he used when he was swimming around in Mare Hill's pool uh, for for a little bit there with a uh, with with his a, rubber ducky floaty. Yep, his rubber ducky floaty. Not not the green spotted one that he uses in Laughing Fish. He's got a yellow <laughs> one for for Mare Hill's uh, for Mare Hill's tub here or his uh, his pool. But uh, yeah, it's uh, there's a there's a ton of good, fun uh, uh, looking stuff, um, uh, you know, little little Easter eggs, little things that you notice if you're if you're watching closely uh, when Harley is in the Joker's arms and uh, and Robin points out that he wouldn't have had time to pick up Harley. She's standing there kind of in his arms. She turns her head and one of her uh phalanges i don't know what you call them the things her the where her where her pigtails go in her costume the little head part of the jester thing goes into the joker's eye and there's just a, for a split second it po- pokes into his eye and he like squints real hard yes <laughs> like she turns it back around and he's like he's like recovering from that just like a little detail like that not necessary didn't need to happen but adds to the comedic element there is she's just like whipping her hair around. And he's just like, so annoyed that his, you know, her hair went into his eye eyeball at that point. Um, but yeah, I loved the little, the little things that they did. Uh, and, and then 
Uh, last thing I'll mention is when Harley shoots the the projectile, the the jo- the Joker projectile at him. Uh, I love they sh- do the shot where it's kind of a, a point of view shot where you see her pointing it at the at the screen, and then they switch. Uh, after she launches it and it, you just they cut to the joker and you just see his eyes following it all the way to like <laughs> hits him in the head like he doesn't react to it his again another huge like looney tunes type thing a wily e. coyote type reaction yeah, it's just missing like the little slide whistle with the right. shadow over <laughs> top of him like it was very wily e. coyote yeah i just love that though because the eyes follow it and it hits him and then as you mentioned that whole sequence with him knocked unconscious and he's he's got the tommy gun shooting and he's just spinning around in circles that was like a a three stooges bit right out of there uh so Mm -hmm. so funny um i thought visuals were very strong i think you could nitpick here there robin was a was a little bit inconsistent again we got a couple of weird shots where he looks a little odd at least uh compared to what his his normal model looks maybe it's just this style of the more squared off guys but um i took a point off for that just because there was some inconsistency there also with mayor hill one scene he looks super skinny and a little goofy cross-eyed it's a little bit there a little bit of a fumble there but overall a lot of great things gave it a nine out of ten what about you yeah, I went just a couple point lower. I went uh, I went seven out of ten, so not uh, not disagreement alarm worthy. But yeah, I think I think it's really strong. That that final sequence when the after the plane crash, where it's just everything's just bathed in orange. I really loved that. That uh, was uh, good. that as well. Just a uh, unique. They they mentioned on the commentary track that wasn't really a trick. They uh, a visual trick they use too often. So kind of gave that final final few final minute and a half or so of the episode a very a very unique look to it as well. So. Yeah, I think the action is great. Like I said, I love how kind of expressive and over the top Harley is in this episode because this is a Harley episode and even little things like when she she like tries to give Batman a handshake in Arkham and he doesn't want to give it to her. So she like grabs his hand and then sort of like reluctantly lifts it up like she's a referee and he's a prize fighter. Like it's just some some really funny like- like I said, just some some fun visual gags that reinforce that overall story of uh, of her being the the wacky screwball character with the uh, you know paired with the the straight laced no nonsense uh, guy in Batman. So yeah, just again the, a great example of the visuals really enhancing what was already a, a great script. I loved the heart frame out also to end. Yes, brilliant. As they hug, you get the again a Looney Tunes or a 1950s sitcom type ending where you get the heart frame around them and then it fades to black. So absolutely, yeah. And a little bit of housekeeping before music. Uh, that image of the Joker in the top hat is by Mike Mignola. It's the cover mm-hmm. to the Batman Death in the Family book four of four. Here we go. There's also a Jason Fabok homage to that from the Three Joker series. And uh, also Jack Nicholson's Joker did wear a top hat. It's like the mime outfit where he just has the little bit of red on, his, okay. on the middle of his lips. I, I saw the white, the white checker pants. Yep. I saw the Mignola image in my mind because he's got a monocle, I think, in that too. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was like, I think there's Jack Nicholson too, but there's something up weird with his makeup in the scene. I couldn't remember if it was yeah. in the the white face or whatever was going on. Yeah, it's like it's like a mime outfit he's in. He's got like white checkered pants and right. just like a little strip of of the red lipstick on instead of the full mouth. It's 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 a really wacky look. But yes, that's that's us doing our own housekeeping. So no one has to uh, no one has to tweet us or yell. You already at tweeted us. If you're listening and you tweeted or commented already. Sorry uh, about your luck. That uh, but we 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 uh, we fact checked ourselves this week. So 
That's right. <laughs> now we can get on to music. All right, Liam, let's move on to music with that. And uh, we will talk about this week's brilliantly composed episode by Miss Shirley Walker. Um, man, another great episode here. Another great part of the episode. Um, what's interesting for me is that so I watch usually I'm trying to take all the notes at the same time while I'm watching it. If I have time to watch it a second time, I'll try and kind of more focus on some of, you know, if I didn't catch music the first time, I'll, I'll try and focus on that the second time that I watch it. So I kind of jumped around to the parts that I knew that would have the, the, the main music part, just cause I was so enraptured by the, the plot and the visual gags that I felt like, I was like, oh man, I'm, I probably missed like our classic Joker theme and the Batman theme. And the funny thing is when I went back, there's like, you hear the dark ominous Joker theme at the beginning when he <laughs> is revealed and you get it a little bit at the end, but it's more of the Harley and Joker theme than it is mm-hmm. the Joker theme. So you don't really end up getting a whole bunch of the Joker theme. You also, I didn't really hear the Batman theme, the Shirley Batman theme used very often, um, if at all. Mm. And so you get end up with a lot of interesting music here that uh, definitely impacts the scenes that they're in. And ultimately, I think, ends up being a strength because they didn't lean so heavily on those themes. Like, we love those themes, and I think they're important to the episode but it almost feels like to me it would have been forced to use the batman theme because there weren't a lot of weren't a lot of heroic batman moments in this episode it wasn't a wasn't a batman episode it's a harley it's mainly harley with with a lot of joker mixed in too so you don't get a lot of batman doing heroic mm-hmm. things <laughs> robin saves batman and then batman and robin you know kicks some ass in inside the speakeasy mm-hmm. but that theme it's just kind of some some drums and and horns and xylophone that's played together um but to me the star of the the star of the music is that final sequence because you kind of get some traditional looney tunes type uh elements used you get some slide trombone you get some some horns played you know you got the womp 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 thrown in you've got like bird whistles mixed in and like the the prize fighter bell uh, when when Joker's coming out of the uh, the house at the end after the explosion, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of a lot of kind of wacky cartoon sound effects. The 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 I don't know if this technically falls under music, but the giant boing when when Harley tries to use her own grappling hook in the in the one scene, yeah, herself in the head. It's a very and uh, it's actually funny they mention in the the commentary track, which uh, obviously was recorded before uh, Miss Walker's passing. She mentions that. <laughs> This episode was their their not so subtle attempt to try to get nominated for a daytime Emmy for <laughs> for the series, which had eluded them. Though they did end up getting one for the the jazzier uh, uh, bullet for bullet score by that uh, Harvey Cohen composed. But uh, she mentions that this episode, because it was so light and silly, it gave her an opportunity to work in uh, a lot of a lot of more traditional sort of cartoony music with yeah with the really zany zany strings and shrill moments and and those those sort of lower horns like you like you mentioned there and and bring those in and and she mentioned it was kind of hard for the the Emmy nominating process because that their show was so different everything that 
made the show such a smashing success and such an enduring piece of, uh, you know, piece of the character is what I guess the folks who were on the, uh, the voting committees at the time didn't really like or, or understand about the show. It's like, Oh, this isn't cartoon music. So, so this was, she said, this was kind of her chance to bring in a lot of those lighter elements and, you know, you should still mix in some of the more traditional Batman music, as you mentioned, where she could and then even when the when the joker goes up in the plane you get like very like very military music you get like a like very snare drum focused um music as as they go up in the in the bomber plane at the end so she yeah she really uh again this is kind of a tour de force of of different styles and to your point it also is is an example of her not relying on those you know we always say like the the hummable character themes um but still creating a very memorable score through because it is so because it's so uh, unique to to what we might normally expect yeah so kudos kudos to uh, the late miss walker obviously we've certainly done our best to try and and recognize what a impact that uh, she had on this as we've reviewed Mm -hmm. episodes in the past and the dcau clearly as a whole and even those that she inspired and and uh and helped helped teach with the dynamic mute, some of the dynamic music partners and, and as her legacy continues. So, uh, but I, I think this episode really does speak to that idea that she, she could do more than just play the hits or play the hits in various different, different ways. Um, and this is an episode that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of to go and show that as an example, like, as you mentioned, I think the ventriloquist episode or bullet for Bullock or, um, you know, the jazz man episode, uh, you know, those are episodes that you can point to and go, yeah, they really went out. She really went outside the box or they really went outside of the box with the, the musical composition uh, that they chose to go with those episodes. And, and that kind of defines those particular episodes. I don't think I would have remembered <laughs> having not watched this episode again, mm-hmm. that Harlequin aid is set apart in that way. And that, yeah, she didn't, she didn't rely on those things and she kind of just kind of went with what was happening on the screen and really plays up that, that cartoony moment you mentioned. I had the same, same notes written down about the, it's a military march for the the, the Joker as he boards his plane and then is, begins to bomb, bomb Batman with this World War II <laughs> style, style aircraft. Um, you know, you get, you get the whole, we have to imagine that she was likely responsible for the the whole performance of say that we're sweethearts again too with it and not not including oh, of course the performance yes. but that that entire like musical number feels like something out of a movie from 1942 or from it 1944 sure does, yeah. like it does feel like a breakdown it you know you just have the piano and you got the light light high hat you're playing on the drums and the you know the strings that come in and the stand-up bass and man that if you've ever seen any movie from from a musical from the from the 30s or 40s like that is a that is a staple sound uh it, it's the soundtrack a lot for a lot of those too for those movies so yeah uh very very well done i i really really enjoyed the the music for this week's episode uh and and that perspective of looking at what she did to kind of step outside of her comfort, not necessarily her comfort zone, but to, to step outside of the series comfort zone, I guess. Uh, so I, I ended up giving music a very strong eight out of 10. What about you? Yeah, I went, uh, I went one point higher at nine out of 10. I think, uh, gosh, I just, uh, yeah, I, I really think the world of the score, there's some great, 
again, speaking of Looney Tunes style, sort of cartoony music, there's a lot of like xylophones brought in as well, which I, which I appreciate there, mm-hmm. even playing that, playing that Joker, you know, some of the, the Joker Harley theme, as you mentioned, kind of comes in a lot in this episode and playing that in different ways, uh, I think really, really enhanced it as well. So yeah, just a lot of fun. And again, like you said, not necessarily an episode that immediately comes to mind when you think of, uh, you know, the great, the great musical episodes of the series, but yeah, like I said, it, I think it, it stands out because it's so different. And we can't, and again, just like we just talked about with the, the visuals and animation, how, how well it marries itself to the story that we're, we're watching is uh, it's just fantastic. Agreed. And that's why it's reflected in our scores. All right, Liam, let's move on to our next category. Our final category, in fact, for the day, which is going to be voice acting. So not a huge cast, but of course, some just absolute giants when it comes to uh, who does show up for this week. So let's talk briefly about uh, our our guest stars and then uh, we'll chat a little bit about our series regulars. That's right. So uh, we do have Dick Miller as uh, playing the voice of Boxy Bennett, the uh, the proprietor of the uh, the uh, establishment that Harley and Batman find themselves in. Uh, who previously had played uh, Chucky Saul in uh, in Mask of the Phantasm and did a did a few other roles for for uh, for Andrea Romano over the years. Comes uh, back later to play uh, Oberon. In that's right. Miracle episode. That's right. So he's uh, he's he's around quite a bit. He's yeah. He's he's fun. He's just doing like your prototypical gangster in this episode, but he does a good job uh, bouncing off of uh, Arlene Sorkin, who will who will be our main event actor this week. Um, and then, of course, we briefly do have uh, Lloyd Bachner as Mayor Hill, Bob Hastings as Commissioner Gordon, and then our uh, really kind of all of our, our side players here. We have we have Mark Hamill as the Joker, of course. Really doesn't again. This is not this is not his episode. He's he's very sinister at the start when he's uh, when he's grabs the bomb and and sets off the laughing gas and. And then we get a, and then we get a more of a, like we said, more of a comedic side, more of a, a honeymooners, you know, sitcom homage. And he's he's very good, as mentioned, when he when he's trying to sort of talk his way out of the fact that he wasn't going to come and get her before he blew up the city, is uh, is quite entertaining as as well. And then uh, of course we have Lauren Lester as Robin. And uh, of course, the late Kevin Conroy as Batman. And of course, you can't talk about him. He's Batman. Kevin Conroy is the straight man this week to our to our main event player. That, of course, being um, the all timer, <laughs> the the voice of Harley Quinn, Arlene Sorkin, um, who, as mentioned, in addition to voicing Harley and being sort of an inspiration for the character, not only does she sing a song in this episode, as we just spoke about, but uh, Paul Dini told a story on the commentary track uh, the reason that they picked this song was because uh, Arlene and Paul were were they lived very close by, and so they would sometimes carpool when they were going to the voiceover sessions for the show. And uh, Arlene was working on this song, "Say That We're Sweethearts Again," uh, for an audition she was going on, <laughs> and and Paul was in the car with her, listening to her sing this song and practice this song. And listening to the lyrics and going, oh my gosh, this this if there was ever a song written about, you know, written about the Joker and Harley Quinn, it's this song. And wouldn't it be great if we could find an episode to work this in? So this was an idea, I think, that had been kind of long, 
long forming in, in the back of the mind of, of both Paul Dini and Arlene Sorkin. And they, they finally found the episode to, uh, to pull that off. So like, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's kind of like talking about Mark Hamill or Kevin Conroy or, you know, or Shirley Walker or Bruce Tim at this point. It's like, what else do you say about how great Arlene Sorkin is? But this episode, again, she just she just gets to do a little bit of everything. She gets to be very childish and silly. She gets to hit on some, you know, some stronger emotional beats. She, she does a little bit more of her character's backstory and she sings us a song. Like what a what a tour de force this episode is for Arlene Sorkin. Yeah, it is. It is phenomenal. Like she's she's so very funny. Like her timing is so great. There's a reason why uh, she was cast and continued to be recast for this role. Um, you know, I guess that kind of happens when the character is based off of who you are. Huh? I guess that that's uh, it's <laughs> really natural that that happens. <laughs> but yeah, they also mentioned that the the song she's humming when when Batman walks into the, the cell at the start of the episode is uh apparently just some song that her her father used to sing to her and her siblings when she was when she was growing up just there's just some little tune that harley's humming for like two seconds in the episode that was apparently a improvisation from from marlene as well so Tremendous. yeah not not shocking that uh she's really really good at what uh what she does and uh i guess instead of just continuing to heap accolades upon her i'll just highlight a couple of my favorite lines that she did uh i love it. i love when batman handcuffs her uh this is immediately after we uh have this speech where she's talking about how great it is that Batman and his uh, and his fiercest adversary are are going to be working together to save the city, and then they cut to her in the in the uh, in the Batmobile with in handcuffs, and she looks at Batman and says, "I sense a lack of trust." <laughs> just just <laughs> delivered so much. Well. Um, I also enjoyed uh, the the scene as they're getting into the the what they believe to be an abandoned warehouse. Uh, didn't mention it in visuals, but I love they they animate batman in the dark with just the whites uh the white lenses showing and they also animate uh harley the same way with just the highlight and the white lenses but you can see her full eyes she does you know obviously she's got pupils and irises so she's also walking through mm-hmm. the shadows but as she does it she d- says a line that i've repeated multiple times if i'm walking in the dark someplace that she just goes sneak 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 <laughs> <laughs> very very funny um and then I, i'd be remiss not to mention the line uh, after the uh the the scuffle in the speakeasy and batman and robin and harley making their escape uh she she they bust out the door and she's uh sort of riding a high having having successfully defeated this group of gangsters and says pow bam oof pow bam oof batgirl <laughs> eat your heart out so you know, <laughs> homage to the 60s batman of course with pow bam oof uh, but uh, yeah, she's she's great. And then that final sequence that I just can't stop talking about between her and and the Joker, uh, her and Mark Hamill playing off of each other, both in the the realization as as Robin tries to kind of create this divide between them and the Joker's trying to cover up and like, no, it was a part of my plan to save you the whole time. And she's being all sweet and like lovey-dovey towards the Joker. And she's just swooning over him. And then when Batman brings up the, that the hyenas are going to die, she just completely loses it and begins screaming. <laughs> like 
just she, she was already on edge learning that Ivy and Two Face and 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 Lizard Man and and Hat Guy and <laughs> <laughs> and Puppet Head they were all gonna die, but she completely loses it in her in in her delivery of, of just re- the realization that the dogs. What about the babies? <laughs> so so funny. Uh, yeah. It, unsurprisingly, a very strong performance from everybody involved. Obviously, Mark Hamill and Arlene Sorkin were the were the the stars. Uh, and as you mentioned, Mark Hamill even taking a a back seat to the to the Arlene Sorkin. You throw in Kevin Conroy and uh, and Lauren Lester in there, obviously doing their their supporting roles basically in this episode as as a, as Batman and Robin, or in in some cases, uh, just some exposition, I suppose. But yeah, overall, uh, I had no choice but to give this a uh, unsurprising ten out of ten. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I could uh, I could avoid the ten. For and again, uh, Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill not 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 as much to do. It's very much Arlene's episode, but both of them in different ways playing different sides of the the straight man character to her in this episode. Just just again, you could. It's not it's not surprising, but it's always worth noting for for them and for the great work Andrea Romano does as a uh, as a as a. <laughs> as a uh, as a as a voice director and the line as mentioned when when they're running out of the the nightclub and robin just sort of looks over to batman and goes what was she before she went bonkers <laughs> and batman just calmly answers a clinical psychologist and then keeps or psychiatrist and then keeps running and robin just kind of pauses for a second and then he just throws his arms up to, and keeps going like it's just very very funny bit so uh, in in a minor role, Lauren Lester also with a with a couple good lines as well. So, Very comedic Flintstones like comedic as he says typical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Almost looks into the camera and says it. So yes, perfectly befitting uh, the the overall tone of the episode. So 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 funny. I I think long after I've forgotten most of the things that have happened in my life, I will probably be able to recall the way in which Mark Hamill delivers. I'll buy you a gold. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> so funny. That's such a funny response. Like, it's just like, it's, we're talking about plot again a little bit, but God, that is such a funny Joker response. <laughs> so like, like that is such a great Joker Harley. Yeah. There where like, she's, she's appealing, trying to get him to show any sense of humanity. And he's like, what, whatever. I'll just, <laughs> I'll replace it with some other living thing that is not, right anywhere near that not, not remotely comparable you know not even like i'll get you two more hyenas he's like, like i'll get you a goldfish and then shoves her by her face into the plane so oh, just tremendous oh man oh, i hate to feel like we're wrapping this up now i hate to hate to leave it what a fun time we've had but uh, it is time well yeah all right. Well, I guess we'll be staying here a little longer because we do have not one, but two bonus points. I guess one for each of us here. Uh, Liam, my bonus point for this episode goes to just how incredibly funny this episode is. I, mm-hmm. I cannot stress that enough. I The fact that I was laughing at this cartoon that came out 30 years ago that I've seen, you know, probably two dozen, if not three dozen times prior to this watching uh it, it just speaks to the just the incredible 
like how everything works together. It's just so off the wall. It's so fun. It's everything to me that a comedic episode or a a not serious character driven story uh, should be. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna take the lighthearted approach, which in, if you're gonna take the lighthearted approach, that this is the way to go. What's amazing to me is to think about that we've talked about it before, especially when we I think re, most recently when we did the uh, Mixia's pixelated episode. But the mm. idea that out of the same brain comes a story like this, and also a story like Heart of Ice, where you have and and you have such comedy and lighthearted material and then you have something so serious and dramatic and and like pulls at your heartstrings it's Mm -hmm. it's a testament not only to mr dini's incredible talent obviously no no breaking news there clearly a very talented guy who continues to get writing gigs to this day but i think it just speaks to uh your his ability to pull off the same idea because as we mentioned you are you are deepening and laying the groundwork for the backstory of what Harley is, who Harley is, her relationship with the Joker, that terrible, toxic relationship that they have. Mm -hmm. But you're doing it in a way that is lighthearted, goofy, tons of homages to Looney Tunes and other off the wall, zany cartoons. Um, and just as effective and entertaining. So yeah, hit, hits all those check boxes, checks all those boxes for me. Uh, just really, really incredible. Really, really funny though. Uh, I love this episode. So that's my bonus point. <laughs> God, you should have let me go first because mine isn't nearly that heartfelt. <laughs> should have ended with that, but I'll bring us down a notch and I'll just say it's for the title card. Oh, that's uh, great. That's it's it's a uh, it's I think it's a pretty iconic image. I feel like if you just type Har- the words Harley Quinn into Google, yep. this image will pop up pretty quickly. Um, but yes, the the Harlequinade uh, title card is Harley with with the the famous pop gun, which uh, which I which I learned this week was based on an actual uh, pop gun that Eric Radomski bought Bruce Tim. <laughs> and, uh, and and that Paul Dini began to write into as many Harley episodes as possible in an attempt to get Kenner to make a toy out of it. He was, of course, unsuccessful. But a uh, funny bit there. But no, they mentioned that the the card was, while it was crafted by uh, by Mr. Radomsky, as many of these title cards were, it was uh, originally designed by uh, the great Ronnie Del Carmen, who, of course, is like a freaking animation legend working for Pixar and other and other things these days, but uh, got his start as a, a storyboard artist on Batman the Animated Series. So, yeah, between uh, between Ronnie Del Carmen and Eric Radomski, that's a pretty legendary duo to pull off. I what I think is one of the most iconic title cards from a uh, from the entire series. Yeah, I, I guess that what did that Ronnie Car- Del Carmen ever do? You know, did he ever do anything famous? Uh, <laughs> what ever happened to that guy? nothing before or after this mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no uh, obviously that's a an incredibly uh important note there yeah an iconic image uh I, I love the backstory of it and anytime that we get to talk about the the title cards uh there is much a part of the just the the i, I think the uh the history and and you know the what mm-hmm. continues to be thought of when you think of Batman the animated series that as the legend continues, uh, I wonder 
uh, if uh, if we might see homages to that with the the upcoming Batman Cape Crusader, will Bruce Tim allow an homage uh, to himself uh, through that? <laughs> I think it would be really awesome if they continued that tradition, uh, knowing what we know about that. But uh, I guess we'll put that in the wait and see category. But yeah, what a what a great and and iconic image. Uh, to to kick off the episode and really give you everything everything you needed to know about this character is kind of in that little snapshot there. So great, uh, great extra point there. All right, Liam. Uh, well, totaling things up now, I do end up with a very strong and uh, breaking news. It's in our top picks. Uh, it would have been either way. Spoiler alert. But uh, yeah, ends up with a 38 out of 40 with my bonus point added on there. What about you? Yeah. And I ended up just one point behind you at a 37 out of 40 with my uh, bonus bonus point included. So that's uh, almost as close to perfect as you can get. I guess, I guess there's 39 out of 40 would be almost. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, let's not, let's not let semantics get in the way of a good line, right? Top picks both from both of us though. So it makes it, which graduates into that section. Which leads us to there's there's no way you you can't put two thumbs up for this right it's a two thumbs up I watched yeah. this episode a thousand times but we had this we taped this off of Fox Kids mm-hmm. we had that basically all throughout our childhood watched it a million times on the DVDs watched it with commentary watched it without commentary watched it twice today before we recorded this mm-hmm. once with uh, with commentary and once without I adore this episode I think it's really one the best of the whole series and uh yeah it's, it's everything we love and again the as you said kind of just the range <laughs> of the people involved with this from the actors to the composers to the writers to the directors to pull off such a you know the fact that this episode and paging the crime doctor and you know it's never too late and robin's reckoning all exists within the same series it's and it doesn't feel jilted or out of place is uh a real testament to all the people involved in, in working on this on this show. Absolutely. Love, love this episode. So fun. All right, William. Well, that will begin to wrap us up for this week. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget, uh, we would love for you to support the podcast. Uh, if you like this episode, if you like our past episodes uh, and you would wish to support us, got a myriad of different ways to do so. Let me run down the freeways. First and foremost, that is uh, by supporting us on social media at DCAU Review on Instagram and Twitter. The Instagram algorithm hates us. So, uh, you know, if we're not, uh, if our posts aren't showing up there, you can, of course, always get those notifications if you so choose to. Uh, but uh, yeah, we post there pretty regularly. And by we, Liam's really taken over the Instagram as well. So kudos to him uh, getting those posts up and out there. Thanks to uh, thanks to Liam for doing that. Uh, Once and- in a while, I farm something out to you like you're my intern. But that's I- <laughs> true. But they, you know, the the calls are the calls are few and far between. So you've you've really you're really the uh, you went from being the uh, the Twitter guru to now all social media guru. I feel like. <laughs> Uh, like it or not, you've been uh, relegated that task in a, in a lot of ways, and you've you've excelled. You've done a great job. So keep up the great work. Follow follow Liam and all the hard work he does at DCAU Review on Instagram and Twitter. And if you are on Twitter, that's a good way to converse with us. If you want to share your thoughts, let us know how you feel about this episode. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Are there things that we missed that uh, you would critique? 
let us know. Liam's on Twitter. We're constantly talking about uh, DC comics, anything that's happening in the DC comic book industry. You know, if we get a, we get a fun little uh, jab at, uh, at Stan Lee in there every now and then (laughs) we don't, we don't miss that opportunity if, if possible. Uh, I kid, I kid, I kid. Of course, that's only on my Twitter. Uh, we, uh, we of course, have alternate ways of supporting the podcast, and that is, of course, subscribing on your favorite podcast app, whether on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there. A reminder, if you are a Spotify listener, you can check out the show notes because uh, we have a Spotify-exclusive poll and question of the week. So make sure that you're voting in that poll and giving us your feedback. That's another way to give us your feedback. Even if uh, even if you don't want to answer the question that's the question of the week, you can just shoot whatever thought is in your head right there, right into that question. You can respond there with any non sequitur that you want to. And, uh, and we will uh, certainly consider discussing it between ourselves, maybe not on air. But uh, yes, feel free to do that. Give us a five-star review on those podcast apps as well. And then if uh, if you want to support us monetarily, there are a couple of options in the show notes. There's one option to subscribe to the podcast uh, with a monetary donation, a monthly monetary donation to buy us a coffee or something uh, once a month. And then uh, there's also a link to our shop where you can pick up a piece of merchandise, a sticker or shirt or a hat or you know mug there's lots of different options there make sure you check that out liam we are continuing here with a month of batman the animated series reviews and we have another one due up next week that's right and it's another uh another this one's the concept of it is memorable but i don't think i've watched it back in many a year uh certainly not since well before we started our show uh, it is the episode Time Out of Joint, the return of the Clock King, only this time he's magic. We had this one on tape, too, for sure. 100%. Yeah, a lot back in the day. But yeah, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, we will talk about time travel and all kinds of weird sci-fi stuff next week on that episode. Don't forget, also, we will be dropping our bonus episode, our bonus coverage of Batman. The adventures continue as we talk about the sixth issue of that comic book run as we drop our discussion and review of that this week as well don't miss it it'll drop in your regular podcast feeds but until next time i'm cal and i'm liam and we will talk to you on the next episode of the dcau review bye bye